Well, good morning, faithful Christ Center. You made it with the turkey hangover and you're still here. I'm super proud of you. You get extra points. I'm not sure what you could cash those points in for, but I'm proud of you. So I, I think that needs to be enough for you. We have Eva Christensen today that's going to read the scripture. And um, so we're very excited to have Eva do anything, really. Her and Mark are such a blessing. They're home group leaders here at Christ Center and dear friends. And uh, why don't you go ahead and read the scripture today, Eva? So this is John 20, 21. No, 20. Yeah. 1 through 18. 18. Yeah. Okay. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look in the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. Thank you so much. You can take that with you, yeah. Thanks, Eva. Praise God. You know, you, you think about just the gravity of the situation because you have the disciples, you've got Rome that rules everything, you have the pinnacle of what looks like it's gonna be the most amazing uh, season in the history of Israel. And the disciples are seeing Jesus do all of these miracles. He's, he's, he's turning the world upside down. I mean, it's incredible. And they're arguing over who's going to be the greatest because Jesus is coming in here. He's going to overthrow our enemies. He's going to establish his kingdom. And, you know, I mean, it was just literally three days ago that 
Jesus was riding into Jerusalem and preparing, you know, on a donkey, fulfilling scriptures, and they're laying down palm leaves and saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and now suddenly Jesus is dead. So the disciples, and we're going to get into this in a minute, are hiding because they killed Jesus because they were concerned about him causing unrest. So the, the, the Jewish leaders have killed Jesus, and with Jesus dying, all the dreams of these disciples, they, they literally left everything to come follow Jesus, and now he's dead, and they have no idea that he's going to be raised from the dead. They have no idea of what's happening. That was hidden from them and from, from everyone. I mean, that's, that's the amazing thing. You guys have probably heard it said that if, if Satan had understood what would have happened if he killed Jesus, he would have protected him instead of putting him on a cross. He'd be like, don't ever let Jesus die, and then I can hold on to the earth forever. But no, he, he had no idea what was happening either. And so here's Mary. I mean, I just want us to sit with that for a minute. Think the devastation of everything that you thought it was going to be one way, and it went completely the other way. How many of you have experienced those kinds of situations, right? Yeah. Remember the first time that you were like crazy infatuated in love back when you were 12 with your teacher? And you're just like, God Almighty, I know that I was meant to be married to her or him. Please, Father, I was destined for this. And for some reason, that one didn't work out, and then whomever. But, but you, you remember, that's a silly one. But there, you know, there have been terrible things. There are divorces and, 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 and deaths and jobs that you thought were the career that, that you were called to or businesses that you've owned, relationships, friendships, things that are... Are, are beautiful and they're standing and you're thinking it's going to go one way and it goes another way and it's devastating and every single one of us, we can, we can identify with that and experience that sense of loss, that sense of this is not going the way that I thought that it would go and, and the disciples are experiencing that in a very poignant way. I think we can certainly identify on some level and so Mary's there weeping, and I can imagine her just, here's Jesus. I mean, you get to be with Jesus. People loved him. He got invited to all the parties. He was amazing. Sinners and saints both loved Jesus. He, he just saw and he loved. And you have to remember, too, that this was a time when women were not held in high esteem. And Mary is... is, is is among those that has followed him and found comfort and found a place. Have you ever had somebody look at you with disdain where it's like they just sort of look right through you? Have you ever had that happen? I remember one time when I was in uh, Hawaii, I was, uh, we were with Youth With a Mission and I went in and I was using a public restroom and a couple guys came in and I was like, and I said, hey guys, how's it going? You know, because I'm a friendly guy. How's it going? And they both looked at me and they were both native uh, Hawaiians and they looked at me and they go, howly. And then just like walked out. And I was like, wow, that's, that's rough. Like, that's rough. I mean, that's just an interesting situation right there. Just that sense of like, you're just the wrong person in the wrong place to be saying hello to me. And Mary is used to being treated like a woman in a time when women were not valued. And Jesus valued every one of us. And I, I think this is so beautiful the way that this happens too, because here's Mary weeping at the tomb, weeping the loss of all these things, weeping the loss of the Messiah himself. And she's the first person 
that gets to see Jesus. Mary, and their eyes are opened. Oh my goodness, you're not the gardener, you're Jesus. And he says, don't hold on to me, I I still have yet to ascend to the Father. Which I think that is amazing, by the way, guys, is that Jesus stopped to appear to Mary, who's there weeping at the tomb. We know he already went down into Hades and took the keys of sin and death. And he's on his way back to the Father, but before he goes there, he stops and he says, Mary. And he says, but don't hold on to me, I still have yet to ascend to the Father. Now this, if you can, if you can hear it, this echoes back, I think this is significant and I think it's beautiful that the first person that Jesus revealed himself to was a daughter of Eve. Eve who was the first to be deceived by Satan, the first to be victimized by the lies of the enemy of our soul, Satan, who came and said, you should eat this fruit. And, and she thought, oh man, okay, yeah, let's try that. That sounds right. And she was the first to get ripped off. Eve was the first to get ripped off, the first to be a victim of Satan. And, and Adam was second. And God redeems her first. It makes me think of that promise where he says, Eve, your seed, your seed will be at, at war with this serpent. Serpent, You'll crawl on your belly, but your, your, her seed will crush your head. And here's a daughter of Eve, the first person to see Jesus, the first person to witness the curse being broken. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that just like Jesus? Thank you, Lord. So he says, I am risen. Now, as far as the veracity of the scriptures, the truthfulness of the scriptures, there's also like a little kind of fun fact for you here that the gospels, you know, I've been reading a lot about, and we did some apologetics last week, but when people are, are, that would be concerned that maybe this isn't true, you know, something that is also amazing about the gospels is that it includes the fact, because the gospels were written about 30 or 40 years after after Christ died and rose again, okay? So the letters of Paul were more recent than the Gospels. The Gospels were written after the letters of Paul. But here's the thing about the Gospels that's interesting is this is still during a time where women are not yet held in high esteem. In fact, at this time, a woman's testimony, you you could listen to it, but it wasn't admissible in a court of law because they didn't care. Isn't that terrible? But here's the Gospels. It's telling, hey, whether you like it or not, whether women were valued or not during that season in the way that they're valued now, praise be to God, which hello is the kingdom coming and his will being done, thank you, Lord, and may that continue. But at a time when a woman's testimony wasn't even acceptable as evidence in a court of law, the gospels tell the story that the first people to see Jesus were women. If you were making this up, if this was not true, if this was just a myth that was made up by people because they wanted to invent their own religion, you certainly wouldn't take one of the weakest pieces of evidence and make that part of your story. Are you guys with me? If you were going to make the story up, you'd have the highest placed men that first saw Jesus, but nope, they were all hiding. Mary was the first one to see it, and the reason why it's in there is because it's true, and that's how it happened. Isn't that neat? I know you guys are quiet today, but we're going to warm up. We're going to warm up. Maybe just, just, uh, just get into this. Here we go. All right. So Jesus now has risen, and, and he appears to Mary, and she is the first one, the first one to witness the breaking of the curse that has come upon the earth. Jesus has taken over all authority back from Satan, and he is risen. 
and, and Mary sees him and she runs back. So on that same evening um, of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. They're hiding. And, and you and I would be hiding too, by the way, guys, because they just came in, the, the, the leaders, they just came in, and as you guys know from previous chapters, they also want to kill Lazarus because Jesus raised him from the dead. They're trying to wipe out any troublemakers that would say that Jesus is the Messiah and any followers of Jesus, they don't want this happening because they're trying to keep peace in Rome and the, and the Jewish leaders that are in power are very threatened by this, this teaching. They're very threatened by this whole thing. And so, the, so the, the disciples are hiding for good reason. They're like, man, they just killed Jesus. How easy is it gonna be to kill us? So, so they're hanging out. Things are not in a good place. And so Jesus now, as he's risen, he's coming and now he's, 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 he's won the full victory and now he's engaging his disciples. He's re-engaging them. They're scattered all over. <laughs> so on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and he stood among them and he said to them, peace be with you. Wouldn't that be funny? You're just sitting at the table. Just, everybody's just kind of shell-shocked, right? You're just eating hummus. Just like, <laughs> all of a sudden, Jesus is like, peace be with you. You're like, ah! I mean, because he literally just appeared in a locked room. Can you imagine? Uh, Jeff Richardson scared the bejeebers out of me today. I was walking back and I had looked this way and I turned around and all of a sudden Jeff Richardson's there. I don't know if you guys know, but his shoulders are like this wide. I like walked right into his chest and, ah! and it, that was in a room filled with people startled me. Can you imagine in a room with a few people and all of a sudden Jesus just sitting there, peace be with you. He always says that. I think it's his own little joke. Peace be with you. Angels are the same way. Don't be afraid. Yeah, after they shock the bejeebers out of you, I think it's just fun for them. Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. What a, man, that must have been an amazing, an amazing time. Can you imagine just going from just the dark night of the soul, the Messiah has been murdered in front of you. You've watched him be whipped, his skin removed. It says he wasn't even recognizable as a man, which I'm thinking that's why people kept not recognizing him because all of these disciples had seen him literally, you know, the crown of thorns and he was whipped and he was beaten. It says they tore his beard out and it says he was not recognizable as a man. So the last time they saw him, think about the trauma here. Your Messiah, the one that you left everyone for, murdered in front of you in a slow, grueling, horrific way. And you thought he was the son of God. So this is not only just your best friend, this is not just your leader, this is also the son of God murdered in front of you. How much hope would you have at that point? You're like, I think the Satan just won. So these guys have got true, honest, emotional trauma and Jesus is appearing to them and he says, peace be with you. And they're going, is this, it's, I mean, just from, from night to day. And so he's beginning to restore them. He's beginning to say, hey, look, I know you were scattered, but I'm right here. I know we just went through hell. I literally just went to hell, to Hades. I just went and preached the gospel, but I'm back. And good news, I have risen again. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. 
But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will never believe. Now, Thomas, we call him Doubting Thomas, all right? But that's just mean. I mean, that's just mean. I think it's lazy. Because we would all be in the same place. We're like, I watched him die, y'all. I saw this. I, I, okay. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. <laughs> again, right? Peace be with you. <laughs> and then he said to Thomas, <laughs> sorry, okay, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. I think this is amazing too, by the way, the fact that Jesus has chosen to bear the scars of his crucifixion. That's, that's in the story. He's chosen to carry the scars of having redeemed me and you and the whole world from the grip of Satan and Satan's plans, sin and death. And he's like, man, these are, these scars, I'm proud of these scars. This is for you. And so Thomas answered and he said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's for you and I. Blessed are you. You have not put your fingers in Jesus's scars. You haven't. You haven't put your hand in his side. You haven't. And you believe. And Jesus says, blessed are you because you believe. He, he wants us to be encouraged. I, I want, today that's, what, that's what, the, what I want us to walk away with is two things. One, he's risen. He's alive. And so therefore we can be encouraged. And especially we can be encouraged when we find ourselves in places that are discouraging. The, the disciples are not a bunch of chumps. They have left everything for the Lord and they watched him killed. And so he's coming back and he is reestablishing. He is affirming. He is taking the places where they're discouraged and he's giving them courage. And he's saying, I have risen and I am here. And don't you worry, we're just getting started. All right? So he's encouraging them. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you and me may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Let's say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It must have been such a trip for these guys, too, because, you know, these, these, this is a pretty short story here that John's writing, or I mean, I should say a short hand that John is writing in because he doesn't say, and so then as we turned, Jesus was gone again. It's just that he suddenly was gone again. <laughs> so he's there, does his thing, and then we skip to the next verse 15. When they had finished, bre or I'm sorry, then we skip ahead. I'm just going to paraphrase for you. It says, then again, he appears again, meaning he's been disappearing. So he just starts appearing and disappearing. Wouldn't that be rough though, where you're like sitting at breakfast and everything's cool and you do the thing and you're like, Jesus, it is so good to have you back, back. <laughs> you're like, there he is again. So then it says that, that Peter and the disciples decided, we're gonna go fishing. He goes, hey, I'm gonna go fishing. And so he goes fishing. 
And as they're fishing, it's not going great. They've been fishing for a lot of hours, and then they, Jesus is out there, and they're, they're like, could it be? And, uh, and he says, hey, how's the fishing going? They go, yeah, not great. And he goes, well, cast it on the other side of the boat. And so they cast it on the other side of the boat, and when they do, they catch a big old, big old harvest of fish, right? And then that's when it lights up. Peter's like, wait a minute, I remember this. I remember, the, I remember the guy that told me to cast on the other side of the boat. And last time, I think they caught, what, 153 fishes that first time or something? I don't remember what the number was. So then, G, then Peter realizes it. Now, at this point, I think, too, he was so startled by it, he did, like, the dumbest thing ever. Says that he was in the boat, and he was stripped down to, like, his fishing shorts, apparently. And he sees Jesus, so they're about 300 yards away from the, from the shore, and so Peter's like, it's Jesus. So he puts on his robe and jumps in the water. So I just think that he was startled because that does not make any sense to me. But at any rate, he puts on his robe, and he, I mean his uh, outer garment, and he swims to Jesus. And Jesus already has some fish cooking on the, on the fire. And it says in verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter. So, so Peter cannot wait to get to Jesus. And, then, and, then, and this, is, this is Jesus now encouraging Peter, the one who has denied Christ. Now, Peter, I probably, I don't know about you guys, but I identify a lot with Peter, right? I think I've told Josh Davis, uh, he's got a great term that he used on me. It kind of hurt my feelings, and I'm gonna eventually get over it. But until then, I'm just gonna say things about him in front of you all <laughs> until he learns. No, I'm just kidding. It's just a great phrase. Uh, I walked into a room and he was talking to someone else and I totally interrupted as I just walked in talking. And he goes, boy, you came into this room mouth first, didn't you? And I was like, oh, I like that. It's really, I mean, it hurt, which is why I'm doing it publicly. But it's such a great phrase. And then my wife uses it all the time at me. So it's, it's making the round. So that's for you guys. That's free. That's from Josh Davis. If you guys want to do that, if you have children, it works out great. Hey, don't come into this room mouth first. First, figure out what's going on. All right. So Peter, though, reminds me of that. He's the kind of person that comes in mouth first, right? He's like, Jesus, I was just thinking about the other day, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and Peter's the one that said, Jesus, it doesn't matter what happens. I will die. I will die before I deny you. You guys remember that? And Jesus says, really, will you, Peter? Because actually, before the, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. Or before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter does. He denies the Lord as the Lord is being crucified. And in fact, it says that the, the rooster crowed, and right as it crowed, as Peter had denied him for the third time, Jesus turned and looked at him from the cross. Can you imagine? Just, oh man, talk about never wanting to ever see yourself in the mirror ever again. You're just like, I am an, a big nothing burger. You know, just like, here's my courage. You know, and so Peter... And I think it would make it even worse on some level that then Jesus rises from the dead. I mean, on one hand, it's like if he died and, you know, never rose, you'd be like, yeah, man, I folded pretty bad. But, you know, Jesus died and he said he was going to save the world. So I guess we all failed a little. But then Jesus rises from the dead and Peter's like, ah, oh, Jesus, I totally denied you. I'm so sorry. Did I scare you the way I did that? I planned it. All right, fine. Okay. So he totally denied him. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself, and no one else is. Okay, that happens probably too often. So then, so then Peter is dealing with, Peter is dealing with, think about, again, 
I want you to think about trauma. I want you to think about discouragement of watching everything that you thought was going to go one way crumble to the ground. And now Jesus is risen from the dead, but that doesn't mean that everybody's hearts and minds and emotions and thoughts are in order yet. He's coming in and he's having to rebuild and reestablish in them that sense of faith and confidence and peace. He's, he's dealing with the whole person, right? All of our mind, all of our strength, all of our soul, and all of our spirit. He's dealing with the whole person. He's reestablishing these disciples. And so Peter, he comes to him and he says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And you can, can you hear like the, the sense of like, please, Jesus, please know that I love you. It's not, you, you know that it's top of mind that Peter's like, I think Jesus keeps asking me this because he remembers what I did. And he's going, you know all things. I hope that you, Jesus, knowing all things, I hope you know that in my heart of hearts, I really do love you. Even if I was a coward, even if I did deny you, I'm telling you, please believe it. Can you, you know what I mean? You know when you're trying to convince somebody, but you don't have any equity left? You're like, oh, I really want to do better, but no, I don't have any track record that I will do better. I think, he's, I think he's at that point, like, well, obviously when the chips were down, I wasn't awesome at it, Lord, but please, I hope it counts now. I hope this moment matters now. And Jesus says to him, feed my sheep. And then he says this, now this is magnificent. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And this he said to show by what kind of death that he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Now I want you to catch this. He's telling Peter, Peter, you'll never deny me again. You're actually gonna be crucified just like I was and you will not deny me. He's fully established in Peter, Peter, you'll never deny me again. I know you love me. And he gives Peter not one chance to say I love you, not two chances to say I love you, but three chances, three times he says to him, as many times as Peter had denied Christ, Jesus said, Peter, I'm gonna let you affirm that you love me. He completely and fully restored Peter. And it's important that Peter knew, that Peter could, in his own estimation, know that I'm okay with the Lord. He's restored me. He's, re he's, he's, he's put me back in that place. He's taken the shame of what I've done, and he's given me an opportunity to say, no, I do love you, Lord. And then he affirms him and says, Peter, you won't deny me again. In fact, you're going to pay the ultimate. You're going you're gonna to get the glory of a martyr's death. You guys know that scripture, right? Precious in the sight of God is the death of his saints. There is a special glory for those that are called to be killed in the name of serving Christ. And that's a, that's a, that's a crown of glory that Peter gets to lay at Jesus' uh, feet. Not only did I live for you, Lord, 
but when those that desired to take my life took it, I would not deny you. And he was fully restored. Isn't that beautiful? So my question for each of us is where do we need to be reminded that he has risen? And so therefore, the place where I have fallen down, the place where life has maybe broken everything in the dream of the way that I thought that it would go, you know, we just read this story of devastation that happened to the disciples, but Christ rose, and in rising, he brought back hope and help and his very self into the situation to say, okay, now let's extend the kingdom. This is not the last word on this. I went into the grave, but I didn't stay in the grave. It looked like every, all the plans of heaven got stopped, but they didn't. I want a complete victory, and so therefore, whatever's going on with you today is an important day. Do you love me today? Do you need courage today? And maybe you guys came in here today, I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but you do. And as we're on this earth, we still experience discouragement. We still experience battles. We still experience loss. We experience temptation, and sometimes we flee from it, and sometimes we give in to it. We experience the enemy who comes, and by the way, he's a liar, and he's a very convincing one, and he tells us some pretty extraordinary lies, and sometimes we believe it, and we become filled with a sense of dread and filled with a sense of fear or shame or what have you, and what my question is to you today is where do you need Jesus to step into the room and remind you who you are? and remind you what he's doing. Where do you need Jesus to come into the room today and remind you that that denial of him that just happened yesterday, that place that, that it looks like the enemy was able to win a victory, that you can go, wait a minute, that's not permanent. That's not permanent. That's not the last word on who I am. I may have denied him, but he's here and he's saying, but do you love me? Do you love me today? Do you love me right, right now? I love that scripture that says, as long as it is today, do not harden your heart. Sometimes when we harden our heart, it's because we've lost hope and we're afraid to, to, to believe that maybe Jesus could appear in that situation and say, I have risen and I can make all things new. And that, and that dream that you had, that version might not come back, right? Some of us have gone through divorce. You're, you're not going to be married to that person again. They're married to someone else but your life is not over. I still have a plan for you. I was talking with a, I was talking with a man recently and, uh, and he, he's just in a really bad space. He's just in a really bad space and, and, uh, and he does not attend Christ Center so you don't have to start looking around to see who's sweating. Um, dear person, dear friend, I, I, I love this person and, and I don't know what the future is. But he looked at me and he said, is there hope? Is there hope? And I, and I said, there is always hope. There is always hope. I don't know what's going to happen in these situations where you've made some pretty bad decisions. I don't know what those things are going to, I don't know how that's going to go because there are other people, they have to make their own decisions. But I do know this. Today is a great day to turn your whole self over to the Lord because he will walk you through this day and the next day and the next day and he will never leave you. 
and he will work everything that he, everything, he will work it to your good. I know that there's hope if you put it in him. And I said to him this, I said, listen, I have more hope for you right now than I've ever had for you in the 30 years that I've known you, and here's why. Because for the first time in your life, you might be ready to let this be rock bottom. You might be ready to say, I surrender. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. That I think for the first time, you're ready to say, I'm giving my whole self to you. I do wanna share this in the conversation. He's just pouring his heart out. Can the prayer team start coming up? As he was, um, as he, as he was pouring his heart out and he said, and I'm just listening, I'm like, Lord, what can I say to this guy? And the Lord brought to my mind a scripture. You guys are familiar with it. It says, what good does it do if a man gains the whole world and, and, and yet loses his soul? And this person that I'm with has lost millions and millions of dollars and, and, um, and just they're in a really hard spot. And I mean, they're doing great, but not in comparison to where they were. And I said, here's this scripture that's come to mind and I shared it with them and the, and the person stopped and they go, what did you just say? And I told him the scripture again, and he goes, this morning, during my time with the Lord, I opened up to that scripture, and I had the most profound encounter with the Lord, where he was sharing that scripture with me. And, and, and he, he was showing me, you haven't lost your soul. You haven't lost your soul. You're in a better position right now than you've ever been. And God did all that in a conversation. Now, I share that with you because I think that there are those of us today that need to remember that wherever you are, whatever's going on, if you will turn back to the Lord with your whole heart, go back at the, as, as you did at first where your hope and your faith is genuinely in him. Like, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know you're going to be with me. I know that I might have denied you yesterday, but today you're asking me if I love you, and I do love you. Are you guys with me? And so this morning, as we wrap this up, I want to remind you, he is risen. He is with you. And as long as it is today, there's hope. Can you receive that? All right. All right. Well, why don't you stand up, and I want to pray over us. And, uh, and then for those of you that would like some more ministry time, we just want to serve you. We want to bless you in what you're doing. Um, so, Father, I want to thank you so much for giving us Jesus Christ. Jesus, I want to thank you for coming and showing us what the Father is like. Your life is perfect theology, and we want to know you as you are, God. Lord, I pray for every saint in this room today that you, Jesus, would appear to them, that you would appear in their hearts, in their minds, in their souls, in their spirits, appear to us, Lord, and say to us, peace, peace. And God, would you show us now, show us now how to walk with you. Show us now how you're in the midst of each of our lives. Let us glorify you. Let us find our peace and our comfort in you. Thank you, Lord, that you have risen. Live in each of us as you've promised. 
And Lord, I pray for every saint in this house that you would give courage, courage, Lord, and peace in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, God bless you guys. You have a wonderful, wonderful week.